Welcome back from the desk of Lowe. I have with me an NYC legend. He was definitely ahead of his time when I went back and did my research about him. Um, and this is like in the early 2000s when I first got into hip-hop. And it's a, it's a blessing to have him on the phone. I have with me Mr. Geronimo. I'm oh, sorry, Mike Geronimo. <laughs> What's up with you, brother? How are you doing, sir? I'm pretty good. I'm pretty good. Enjoying a football game, chilling with my boys, so everything is all right. How you feeling? That's good, man. It's nice to see that you're at home with the family on a Sunday, sir. I, I, I'm amazed, too. I'm just enjoying it. <laughs> <laughs> so, that's good to see you're enjoying life, man, because most people, man, they, they're not enjoying life at all. No, no. Like, today, I finished mostly what I had to do earlier, so... My whole goal was to get home because it's ritual in my house. We all sit here and we watch football together. That's what we do as a family, you know? Hey, that's good to hear. So we'll get into family a little bit after. So from somebody who listened to you, uh, because I was born in 91, so uh, when I first got into hip-hop, I won't lie, um... I found you through DMX because X is in my top five and I went back and I always was curious about what rappers sounded like before they were famous and um he was on your album The Natural and I'm just wondering like um like do people hit you up all the time and tell you like they still play that album to this day? Oh yeah. So, yeah. Like uh I would say it's probably not a day that goes by Because, like, uh, when I did my research on you, I was always wondering how the name Mike Geronimo came about. Oh, <laughs> well, it was kind of, a, uh, I guess, a play on, on my my birth name, you know, being Michael. And it was actually kind of just, I would say, spontaneous. I was in high school, and I was a good student, but I would be in the dean's office and whenever I got, you know, in trouble, one of my boys in school would always be like, uh oh, Geronimo, they got you again and people would start laughing. So that's how the Geronimo part came into play and then one day I was just writing a, a song and um I just thought of Mike but as microphone and I was like, Well your name's Mike and I just said, all right, I just, instead of using M-I-K-E, spell it M-I-C. And that's pretty much how it came about. See, like, because you came up in the 90s, and like I said, I was just a kid in the 90s, so I knew nothing about the music mm -hmm. industry. Um, I seen in an interview you recently did that um, 
you used to have to record all night and get a metal cassette. I'm wondering, like, do you still like have any of those? Just a reminder for yourself? No, <laughs> no, not at all. Like, uh, I, I can't even remember the last time I've seen one of those metal cassettes. I've never I even mean, seen one. How, you, you, like in life, you've never seen one. Like, Is I, that what you say? Yeah, well, I seen like a plastic cassette, but I've never seen those metal ones. No, no, like, um, well, I mean, it, it's been quite some time, but I don't have any of them left. I, to be honest, I wouldn't even know where you could find one there. You probably could Google it, and, like, you know, they would, you probably know where to get one from there, but no, I don't have any of those. Now, now, it's funny how you said Google, because, like, I remember, like, like when I was a kid, my parents always used to have to, like, look up stuff, like, in books and newspapers. I'm wondering, like, mm-hmm. does it still blow your mind when people can Google you and they show up, like, everything you have done, like, before? Because you were ahead of your time <laughs> in the 90s. I appreciate it. I mean, it, 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 it's kind of, uh, like, I, I won't, I mean, say that it's as shocking, I guess, as, in, as initially it was, like, years ago when the internet, like, first started to explode, so, you know, I think at this point, I kind of, you know, I kind of laugh at a lot of stuff I see online, and I kind of, like, you know, so a lot of it blows me away, you know, like, um, in the sense of people's directly interacting and sending me messages and it's like someone says, well, you know, this song got me through this in my life and this song changed my life or this song, you know, this got me home when I was in Iraq. So stuff like that blows my mind because you just don't ever think, I guess, or maybe it's me, I just would never think that just a song I wrote would be able to help somebody in that way. So I guess in that sense, it kind of still blows my mind, but I think I'm a little more used to, you know, the internet and what to expect and, and uh, you know, what you're going to see. But yeah, all in all, it's definitely a lot different from what it was. Yeah, because, like, some of your songs got me through, like, some of the tough times, like, Life Check, Wherever You Are, Shit's Real, Three Stories High, like, um, I watched this documentary on you on YouTube called, um, The Natural Mini Doc, and I'm wondering, was that ever an official documentary that you pressed up, uh, like, do VHS tapes and distributed? Well, we, uh, like, me personally, I didn't press it up, but the label that I was signed to... They actually had did it, and it was known as what's known as a um a EPK, which stands for a, an electronic press kit. I don't know if they even still call them that, but that documentary was part of the EPK. So I didn't distribute it, but the label I was signed to did. So I guess you could say, you know, yeah, it's definitely a, a, an official documentary or mini doc if that's how you wanted to look at it. Yeah, because, like, I just go off the title on uh, YouTube about it, and then when I see something looks official, I'm like, okay. and then, But I actually want to hear it from the person's mouth that it's real. Yeah, 
Oh no, it's real. It's definitely real. And then when you say like a EPK, like you were like 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 I said, like most people they be releasing EPs and it's like seven original songs. You were releasing EPs with like literally three original songs on there back in the day. Like, um, yeah. it's the real master IC EP. Like, do you still have uh-huh. like a lot of your old like work as a reminder for what you from what you've done in life? I, I I'll be honest. I think about. The only things I have are, I'm like anyone else. I have iTunes, I have Idol, I have Scandal, Spotify, uh, Spotify. Uh, so I have apps that enable me to go back and listen, you know, when I want. But it's pretty rare that I go back and listen to those albums. Like every once in a blue, I may go back and listen. Like I think recently, I think I listened to like my second album maybe a month ago or a couple of weeks ago, but it's very rare that I do that. I'm more so, I probably listen to stuff that we didn't release more than I listen to stuff that we did. Okay, so you see, like, and that's a that's a interesting how you uh, brought that up too, because um, this is something that I ask all my uh, most well known guests. Like, you play like unreleased music that the public hasn't heard just for yourself, right? Just for yourself. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. And like, w- yeah. what does that do? Like, does that give you motivation? I mean, I guess it's it's for different reasons, and it kind of like. Depends on why I decided when that given day to look. Sometimes I listen to critique myself. So I may listen in the sense of to say, okay, well. I'm not working out Sorry, that's my Oh, no, it's hanging. okay. It's, it's all out. <laughs> Moogie, we're on, the, we're on a podcast. Hey, Moogie, what's up, yeah. G? <laughs> he said, say hi, say hi. Mike, we're on a podcast. I'm just telling my friends what we're doing. Podcast is kind of like being on the radio. Um, so I would I to your answer your question. I'm sorry about that. Oh um, no, that's okay. He's gonna be a part of something big. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so shout out to Muggie. Um, yeah, that was Morgie, and, and now I'm telling Mike. But I think to answer the question, like, um, I think I go back to listen to songs and see like what my cadence was or what my delivery was or how I might have sounded when I felt a certain way and so I might go back and listen to music I did just to gauge like all right well here's how you sound now when you're upset and here's how you sounded then when you were upset and here's how your delivery is now and here's what your delivery was then so I think it's more in the sense of a critique and then there's other times when I listen just to, you know, take a trip down memory lane, you know? So, like... And, and, oh, sorry to cut you off. Keep mm-hmm. going. No, no, no. No, so... But it, there may be other times I'm listening just to take a trip down memory lane and just to be like, yeah, that, was that night, that session was cool. You know, doing that record was cool. So, those are probably the only two reasons. Because, like, um... 
I was always curious about, like, too, like, do you have, like, because, like, you release original CDs, like, do you have, like, original CDs for one day for when your children go get older? You're going to show them, like, hey, your, like, dad will oh, contribute yeah, to this guy. Yeah, I actually guy. do. Yeah, I actually do. I don't know if it's going to survive because they destroy everything. <laughs> you know, it's okay. <laughs> but, yeah, but... I actually do have, I think, a CD of The Natural, if I'm not mistaken. And I think I have a CD of The Vendetta album. And I think past that, everything is just, like, uploaded into my iTunes and my title. Okay. And, like, um, because... This is something that I didn't even know about when, because I, I was always listening through throughout the years, and, like, I had no idea that you met Tupac. Oh, yeah. Yeah, we were, we were cool. We were cool. He was actually, I would say, he's probably one of the first artists that I got to meet, like, when I was, you know, first signed to a recording deal, and we had a lot of mutual friends. So I guess that assisted in us inevitably meeting. And then, you know, when we did meet, we hit it off pretty well. Like, you know, he was a good dude. And, um, yeah, I miss him. Yeah. Because uh, because when I did, because I always make sure I come correct with the facts, because you met him right before um, All Eyes on Me in the Tunnel. Mm-hmm. And when you said, yeah. like, um, you know, he helped, like, did he kind of help? break your uh, shyness because you remember like when you were saying like you you don't need no pen just follow my lead uh, yeah I mean I, I, will, I don't know if it helped to break me being timid or being shy or whatever but he definitely made me feel uh, comfortable and he definitely made me feel like yeah, I know this might seem like it's a big, giant amusement park you're walking into, but, you know, like, don't be scared. Like, don't worry about it. Just enjoy yourself. And I think that, I think that's what he was trying to say to me by saying, you know, like, you don't need a pen. Like, just follow my lead and you'll be fine. And don't worry about everything that you worry about. Like, just have fun. Try to learn how to have fun. You know, so... I think that was what his intent was, um, but he definitely helped me to feel more comfortable and to feel more um, welcome coming into hip hop. Okay, so like, because when you came into hip hop, like you were grew like lived beside Large Professor, and you were real close with Royal Flesh. I'm assuming. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, like we. We all three grew up together, so I knew Large Professor, like, literally since the day I was able to go outside and play in the park, and I've known Royal Flush since literally pretty much around that same time, because <laughs> Royal Flush cousin and me were on, like, the same Little League baseball team. So that's how I ended up meeting Flush, and that was at least 30 years ago, and or 35 years ago. It was a considerable amount of time. And did you all know that you all were going to get into the music industry, or you guys had no idea, like, any of this? No idea. <laughs> no idea. 
like we were just kids growing up in the same neighborhood, you know. And I, Flush is like a little closer to me in age, I think, than Lodge. So, you know, it's kind of like Lodge was always like a big brother to me, and Flush was always like, you know, like a brother of the same age to me. So it was just we just did what we did growing up, but I don't think any of us like had any idea that. You know, we grow up and end up doing music. Because, like I said, you were everywhere, everywhere. Like you knew, like Irv Gardy. Like was it? Was he your manager or mentor? You would say. I well, I would kind of say to a degree was both because uh, you know before Irv Gotti, I like never considered making a record, and I never had a plan to make a record, and I never had a, uh, a want to make a record. So, you know, all those things, I think Irv could definitely be credited with, you know, putting those things into my thought process. And then I would say he was a mentor too, in the sense that, you know, when I came into the industry, I was like totally blind. And I wouldn't say blind. I would say I was totally not knowledgeable about the, the mechanics in the industry. Like, you know, I didn't know a thing about what the recording industry was and what it took and what it was composed of. Irv was the person who, you know, when I had those times when I, I was like, okay, well, what do we do now? <laughs> he would be the one who was like, don't worry, we do this now. You know, so he kind of played both roles in a sense. Okay. Yeah, that basketball. <laughs> <Sorry>. <laughs> oh no, it's all good. I, I was just gonna say because it's like it's really good that you're, you're so close with your family. That's something I admire I'm from sorry. you. Like, did did any people from the industry know your family, like your moms or anything like that? Oh yeah, like a large professor knew my mother. You know, he he um he knew my mom, and um, I'm trying to think. Like, Flush is, like, a part of my family, so, you know, like, Flush called my dad that, you know, and, and like, my stepmom, who, you know, that I don't call her my stepmom, she's mom, Flush called my mom, you know, so, there's a couple of people that knew my parents and they knew my family, you know, growing up, so, and especially with them, they were kind of like, you know, it's not my mom just talking about them. <laughs> <laughs> so um, yeah, they, they, they knew my family, and you know, I think um, so when my when my birth mom had passed away, uh, Lodge was able to tell me a lot about how that impacted my neighborhood and people we knew, and how that even impacted him. You know, so he he was definitely there, and he definitely knew her, and he definitely loved her. So, so like, and another thing is too, because you said that you would only do music with people you felt like were family to you, right? Uh huh. So at the well, time, I mean, oh, go ahead. Go ahead, I'm listening. No, 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 dad, I'm listening. Okay, so um, this is something that I always wanted to hear about because, but I could never find anything of it. Like your song "Time to Build," like was everybody in that room 
at the same place recording that? Like, oh, no. <laughs> no? Okay. No, no. No. Time to Build actually came about because of God, because of Earth. And at the time that we did Time to Build, um, I didn't even know Exodus yet. Like, um, I didn't know them. I knew of Jay-Z because I knew about a group called The Original Flavor, and I knew Clark Kent, DJ Clark Kent. So I knew who Jay-Z was. Um, I didn't know DMX at the time just yet. Um, but we came up uh, with uh, the idea for the record, Time to Build, and so I laid my verse, and then when I laid my verse, um, I think uh, I laid my verse and Jabu laid his verse. And we knew, like, um, that me and Jabu would do that. Like, I knew Rule at that point, and me and Rule clicked, and we were, you know, all in the same gang and all, like, family, so that made sense. And then it was actually Irv who was like, yo, I'm going to put Jay-Z on the record. And I was like, the original flavor dude? And he was like, yeah. And I was like, cool. You know, that excited me. But DMX, I had never heard of. And so when I heard the first, the final version of Time to Build, that was the first time I had ever heard DMX. And then, like, when the first, and then after you heard that verse, like, what did you think after you heard that DMX verse? Oh, I was like, wow, this is crazy. Like, yeah, I think he said, um, I did too much dirt to turn back now. I'm leaving my little sister smoking crack now. And I was like, how do you even say that? But yeah. I was like, yo, this dude is a problem. Like, he's a beast. Because who would say that? You know, and and I heard the Hoag's verse. And I heard the wordplay of Jay-Z's verse. And I was just like, okay, this is something different. Like, he's something different. Because you know, that, so I think that... Oh, uh, go, go ahead, sir. Sorry to cut you off. No, so I was just saying, I think that, if anything, though, that record kind of, like, let me know where they were getting ready to, to go. You know? You know, in my eyes, I think that record that you set them all up to be like to where they are at now because mm -hmm. that record like, I, I mean okay. <laughs> I, I don't know like sometimes people will say to me like um, well you know, sometimes people say stuff like well you know you put Jay-Z on and you put DMX on and, and I'm kind of I always tell people like I don't really take credit for that I think because they were so talented that if, if it wasn't me, it would have been someone else. And, it, you know, I, I guess it's just that's what was in front of us at the time. And, you know, when I look back now, um, yeah, I guess the record did help in a way to, 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 to place them within, you know, a position to be able to to be like, oh, okay, well, now I have this album called Reasonable Doubt, and I have this that I'm doing. And so maybe it served for that, but 
I just think that they were so beyond what this world had known in terms of talent with hip-hop that, you know, they would have been who they are regardless. I, I just am honored that, you know, I, that we became friends and we had an opportunity to do things. And, you know, I'm honored to have taken the ride, you know, with them. You know, so... Because, like... Nothing more, nothing less. Because that let me know, like, you're not a jealous person because, like, you were popping at the time and, like, like you said, Irv came to you and said, like, hey, I'm going to put Jay-Z on the record. But, like, you weren't a jealous person because there's a lot of jealousy in the world. Well, like, in nowadays, if people would have heard that from, like, a no-name rapper at the time and he had talent, they'd be like, uh -huh. no, I don't want that dude on the record. But that just let me know, no, like, you're, you're, no, not, you're I, not a jealous person. No. No, I I don't think I've ever been that way. I think with me, it's been um like if I vibe with the person and if and if we have a connection with the music that we're doing, you know, then it could be Jay Z or it could be the guy from down the block. You know, I never looked at what Jay Z. Yes, yes, Jay-Z, Papa. <laughs> <laughs> That's crazy um, how he knows a Jay-Z. Oh, they know. Trust me, they know. That, like, oh, God, where did that? Well, it's commercial, wait. So, um, <laughs> I just think that with that, that, uh, you know, like, um, I never treated anybody any different, and I was just getting for working with people that made me want to, you know, want to work and, and want to aspire to be better, better. And that's pretty much how it comes about with me. Now, let's get into family a little bit. Do you think family life, like, is recommended for people who need to calm down in life? Say that again? Like, let's talk about family. Like, do you do you recommend, like, having a family for someone who needs to calm down is recommended? <laughs> well... I, would, I don't know that you would have a family to, 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 to be some sort of a tranquilizer or a sedative for, you know, an overactive lifestyle. I would say, I would say if that's why you start a family, you're pretty much doing it for the wrong reasons, you know. But all I can say in my own experience is you have to do what your heart tells you to do, you know, and, and with me, like, my kids and my wife, like, I, they're everything to me. You know, life comes at you fast. And it's like, you know, once I got, you know, once we got married and once we had our children, like, I just kind of, like, naturally felt like, yeah, this is what I was always supposed to be and where I was always supposed to be. And, like, you know, so... And like, I don't know that I would say that it's like you should do it because you know you go to nightclubs too much. Like no, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> so, yeah, like, yeah. That, that's like, definitely that, the wrong reason. Right, exactly. And I don't think you should have a family because um somebody's saying like you know oh it's time for you to settle down so you should you know you should have a family and, and, yeah. and be more structured and that's not why you start a family. You start a family for one reason, one reason only love. And and you like, does, does it like yeah. kind of blow your mind when you see like yourself and your kids? 
Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> like beyond to 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 know nothing else probably blows my mind more than okay. I'm sorry, Matt, and now my third son is here. Oh, it's uh, so, <laughs> yeah, there's three of them. There's Maddie, Michael, and Morgan. But um, yeah, it it is that definitely like trans like dimensionally mind blowing. Just seeing yourself in these little people that you love so much and that love you so much. So it's funny because I can see different parts of myself in each of them. And I can see, you know, like, I guess the givings of what makes me in each of them. So, yeah, it kind of is. It's very fascinating. It's very fascinating to see. I give you all the respects there, man, because you do seem like a very good father, man. So respect goes out to you and your fam, sir. I appreciate it. Thank you, bro. Thank you. Kind of don't take this the wrong way. You kind of like, that's how my dad is. My dad's around the same age as you. Uh-huh. And, like, and, 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 God, what were you saying? Um, and then, like, too, like, about family, too. Like, um, do you, like, do you think mental health is a big issue in today's society about, like, not talking about your problems instead of just, like, keeping it silent? I think that that's just an issue... I think that's been an issue for quite some time. I, I don't know that it's an issue um, that you can say is like, a, well, yeah, it's an issue within family structures, but it's definitely an issue that, you know, society as a whole um, has to have a bit more of a, of a dialogue about. Um, and it's definitely an issue in the sense of it has to be something that we all as members of society focus on, you know, and I would say like, um, like it's so healthy to talk about what's going on with you as a person to, to someone else that are listening, you know, and I think more so than the actual mental health. Uh, as a, in a general sense being an issue, I think it's more so you have to start it where you let people know it's okay to talk about what's bothering you as opposed to keeping it bottled up. You know? And then I think once people start to, to break down that invisible wall of okay, I should just keep everything going on with me to myself. And I'm kind of a contradiction to that because all my life I've always been somebody who, like, kept everything bottled inside. And anyone who knows me would probably tell you you have to, like, force me to talk about what's going on. But, but um, I think it's more that people need to work on eradicating that illusion that well, you know, you're tough if you keep all these things that you feel inside. That doesn't make you tough, and it's it's not a point of resiliency. You know, everything in life is a balance. So, yeah, there's those things you can keep to yourself that you can use as fuel to your figure that you speaking fire to drive you as an individual. But, you know, there's also things that happen in life where people have to realize we're all 
as much as we're logic and we all go through things that, you know, can cause trauma or can can throw you off the path or can bring about depression. And, and I think if society looks at it in that sense and if you start in level of saying, okay, well, first of all, no, it's okay to talk about it. And then after that, you can work on what the solutions are to those things that you've been holding in, you know? Yeah. So that one of the questions and it's like one of my last questions that I ask all my guests and it's kind of funny how we're on this topic um, do you have any words for someone in a dark place trying to see the light? Um, that's a very profound and tough question um, you can take your time on that one so I know it's a tough one yeah, yeah I'm, I'm like thinking but alright here's how I'd answer that um And I think it's from a book. Yeah, it's from a book that I read. Um, I think that, um, like, if you, I think people are so trained to to look at what they aren't, what they don't have, where they're not, who they're not around, what they're not in, what they don't have on. Uh, what they don't have to spend. You have all these things that you're kind of like programmed to to have a to to sort of build a feel, right? And I remember reading in a book um, about perception of advantage and disadvantage and how that plays into what you feel. And if you're in a dark place, I would say for me. What helped me with being in a dark place was first um, admitting that you're in in whatever predicament you're in. You know, like, if you're depressed about something, you have to admit that you're depressed about it. And Or if you're a person who has a drug problem, you have to admit that you have that. Or if you're an alcoholic, you have to admit, you have to start by come into terms and even before that you have to want something different and sometimes life puts you in positions where you might not even be ready to want anything different but I think once you start to admit to yourself what your situation is and I think once you start to say to yourself you want something different I think that that becomes a catalyst and it also becomes sort of a a torch where if you're in a dark place in life, you can say to yourself, yeah, I don't know what's at the end of this tunnel that I'm trapped in and I don't even know that I'll see light at any time. And I don't even know that I'll ever see light. But if I don't walk through this tunnel... And if I'm not sure of all the advantages I have, then I'll never know. You know, so, and it's not easy to have courage. Like, I think people think courage is like something that you you, you pay for over a counter, and it's not. You know, like, when you opt to be courageous, you, a lot of the time, opt to be by yourself because, you know, nobody wants to stand 
alone from the pack. We're all conditioned to be that way as humans, you know. So we've been conditioned since the time man first got here to stick together as a pack. So when you opt to do something independent, that alone causes a fear, you know. But if you just say to yourself, I have all these things that are unique to me as an individual that make me who I am, then that can propel you to walk through that tunnel that you were hesitant to walk through. So I would just say, don't feel alone. And I would just say, after you realize that you're not alone, just come to terms with whatever it is that that has you in the place you're in. And then from there, just know that it's a process. You know, you may not get to the end of the tunnel in two days. You might not get there in two months. You may not get there in 20 years. But if you stay dedicated to believing in your advantages, and if you stay dedicated to saying to yourself, until there's something to give me proof that I should be scared, there's no need for me to be scared. You know, so... I'm really glad you shared that. I hope someone like really takes that to heart and runs with it because that was really inspiring. I hope so too. And I, 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 if that's what you got from it, bro, then then that's one down. The rest of the world to go. Hey, um, so before we end this episode, um, you got a new song coming out. Would you like to plug that in? Like, not like just talk, but like would like to announce it. Oh yeah. Um, so I. I yeah, shout out to my guy, Snake Hollywood, and Metaphor the Great, and shout out to the producer, NY Bangers. We did a record called Boondock Saints, which I believe is being released tomorrow, like on iTunes and, and Tidal and all that other jazz. It's not my record. Like, my boy Snake asked me to do it with him, and I was more than happy to do it, but it turned out really good, so... I'm real happy about it. So it'll be available tomorrow um, on, like, all streaming formats, which is cool. And, you know, I have other things that I'm working on now that are going to, you know, come out during the course of the year to come. So it's a lot to look forward to. And, um, which is. And for the people that know that, because by the time this episode will be released, um, that song will only be out. So y'all can go check that on Tidal, iTunes, and Spotify, like my, Mr. John. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. And Absolutely. You, and you said you're coming out of more music? Oh, yeah. Yeah. I, I've been working on music, you know, quiet as kept. So, um, there's stuff that'll be coming out during the course of the year. You know, and I feel good about it. So it's just, you know, one day at a time. I don't want to say stay tuned, but, um, you know, just keep your ear to the ground and you'll know. Don't worry, sir. I always pay attention to my guests and I'm very loyal to my guests. So whenever you drop that album or your project or a song, I'll give whatever money I can to that, sir. Don't worry about that, bro. Like, just to hear you say, say what you're saying and to be doing this. That's cool, bro. I don't like, I tell people all the time, I could care less if you jack the music to get it or if you share it to get it or whatever. Music is, is its own reward. You know, I think it was Spain that said that. So as long as people get it and as long 
long as people enjoy it, then I'm good with everything else. But I do appreciate it. Anytime, sir. But with that being said, um, Mr. Got Mike Geronimo, the legendary MC, to appear <laughs> on the show. Uh, we out after this. Peace, y'all. That's what's the page. Hey, um,